You know, when you're in the presence of someone that you love, they change you. When you're in the presence of someone that you love, your eyes sparkle. Your heart leaps for joy. Whether that's your wife, your husband, your kids, your best friend. Yes, you might have arguments and tiffs, but 95, 99% of the time, you just love being in their presence because their presence changes you. You can be angry one minute and then meet the love of your life and everything changes. When you're in the presence of Jesus, I love you, Jesus. I love, I love. I love your presence. I love, I love. your presence. need to fall back in love with him some of you need to fall more in love with him you know he loves you if you're watching online he's loving you Veronica just come forward so just stand in
the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts but sometimes it feels so far from our hearts but it's there his presence never leaving you nor forsaking you we give you all the Hallelujah. Your presence. Your presence. Hallelujah. Your presence. Your presence. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Your presence, the love of God, His presence, chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his mouth hallelujah we give you praise father and we give you thanks for everything that you're doing in this place today I think we can move on now. We give you praise. Thank you, worship team. Wonderful job. Hallelujah. Veronica, you stay there as long as you need to stay there. But Caroline, you can, you can move if you want. Welcome to Faith Life Preston. If you're just tuning in on a broadcast, uh, we welcome you. Thank you for joining us. Hallelujah. His presence is strong in this place. Praise you, Father. We give you glory. I don't like moving on fast. I, I, you know, I, the more, the older I get, the more I realize the relationship you have with your heavenly Father and and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. If you want to just wrap it into one relationship, I know that you could probably split hairs on that one. But it's so so reflecting of a of a marriage relationship. I'll let the kids go out in a, in a split second, but. There's something about a marriage. Things go well when you're connected and you're on the same page. But when you're disjointed, 
when the wife wants something that the husband doesn't want and vice versa, it becomes difficult. You still love each other. You still want to spend time with each other. But something happens that causes a friction in the relationship. The power of unity in a marriage, the power of unity in a body of believers, the power of unity with just you and the Holy Ghost is something that needs to be worked on on a daily basis. Something that needs to be confirmed, something that needs to be stretched. I want to have a raise a church of people who are not only in love with each other, husband and wives in love with each other, passionately in love with each other. I want to raise a church of people who are passionately in love with Father God and Holy Ghost and Jesus and the Word. I want to raise a church of people who are passionate for each other. When one falls, we're there to pick them up. When one soars with success, we're there to cheer them on. The biggest clue if somebody's your friend or not is when you succeed, are they still there? They might be there when you fall down and they might be a great support. But some people like to see other people fall down so they can help them. But when that person succeeds and starts to go higher in things of God, are you going to still be there for them? Even though your life might feel not quite there yet. Hallelujah. I don't want to mess too much. But I tell you, I want to see our marriages flourish. John Osteen always used to say to people, people would come up to him and, and say, Do you want, I need counseling, I need, to, I need a word from the Lord, from the pastor, and I need to, to hear that. And you know what he used to say to them? Listen to the message on Sunday. Because that's when I'm counseling you. That's when the anointing is there to break the yoke. That is the time for you to hear from the Spirit of God. I give my best effort on a Sunday morning so that on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday, you guys can flourish. Hallelujah. Am I against pastoral counseling? No, of course not. But I'm telling you, as the anointing flows, start to draw on the answer you need. Amora, you're being called. You can go out. <laughs> Um, that's our, our actually, really, our youngest, I know Manny hasn't voiced his membership preferences yet, but that is our youngest member of the church. She drags her grandparents here, and <laughs> if Jeremy and Caroline here aren't necessarily here because they want to be here, it's because Zamora is, uh, is, is, that's, this is our church, it's her church, so hallelujah, it's, it's great to see. You know, uh, they always say that, that parents join a church because of their kids more than because of themselves. So if you can have a good kids service, a good, good kids uh, ministry, there's much more opportunity for people to, to hook in into the ministry that you got. So we're going to keep working on it, keep developing it. I believe um, the curriculum that we have is really good. Um, I believe the team is, is not half bad. Um, 
Uh, but we're always looking for new volunteers, so if you want to do kids' work, just give us a shout. Um, well, I'm going to keep this the service going and moving. I think God's already spoken a lot. He's spoken to me, he's spoken to you, I'm sure. But um, before we give you an opportunity to give, and I'm, I'm trusting that Veronica is able to stand by the time I, she's ready to stand, um, we're on law number three of the law of the sorry the the laws of the financial anointing. So I won't take long on this, but I I'm, I'm I would, what I would like to encourage you to do is try and remember these laws, or at least write the, the titles down to remind you. Um, I actually was talking to Louise, Louise about this yesterday, and I thought this is something that we possibly need to revisit every six months or so, just to remind ourselves, because these laws are actually really quite good. Um, I, I've enjoyed them so far. Do you remember what the first law is? <sighs> I gave you a quiz last week, so you should have expected the quiz to come back. Right, the first law is the law of positive outlook. If we want the financial anointing to flow in our lives, we have to have a positive outlook. You cannot be miserable about your life. God cannot trust somebody who is miserable with his finances. Law number two was looking to pay. So that means if I go out with Jeremy and Caroline for a meal after, after dinner, we should have a fight at the till to decide who pays. You are looking to look after other people around you, is what it is. Uh, Veronica's just getting your notes out. <laughs> so what, law number one is the positive outlook. Number two, it's looking to pay. And these, uh, what I love about these laws, and we're gonna, they will get deeper as we go along. You might think, oh, they're just a little bit... Um, fluffy at the moment, but they're, what they're doing is setting a foundation for us to actually increase and live so that when finances move in our lives, because there are people um, that could come into a lot of money if their parents die, or if, if someone in the family dies, they could have a load of money to given to them and spend that money unwisely. Very quickly, you know, people who win the lottery lose the lottery money very quickly because they have a, a load of money into their hands by chance, by luck, if you like, but they don't have any understanding of a flow of the anointing, a flow of finances, if you like. Me and you, and we need to understand that in the, the river of God, it's a flow. If it's love, if it's joy, love is, is always, if you look about love, love is, it has to be a flow. If it's you going to base your love for your wife or your husband on what they do, it's always going to come short and stop and not be a continual flow because they're just going to wake up one morning and say something that you don't like, leave a butter knife on the table for the 99,000th time in a row and not put the dishes in the dishwasher and suddenly your love for that person ends and there's a stoppage and a blockage. But we want to have a flow in love. I'm on love today for some reason. But the compassion of God and the, the joy of the Lord and all of these things that we talk about, faithfulness, is flows. If you have a dam in any of these areas, it makes it very difficult to operate in the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, is against such, there is no law. Nothing can resist the fruit of the Spirit. It, in fact, says if your enemy hates you and you pour love onto that enemy, it's like pouring hot coals onto them. I'm one of those people that if I'm grumpy with you or annoyed with you and you love me, I get a little bit annoyed. I'm like, why aren't they still, why, why aren't they still, I don't want them to love me right now. I want, I want to fight. 
Have you ever had a fight with your wife that, doesn't, you, that they don't want to get involved in? I've done that a few times. It's like, come on, I want to fight. And she's like, no, I'm not fighting. I've had to do that, and Louise has had to do that to me loads of times. And that's what the, the power of, of a marriage is, is you can, you can handle these things. But the flow of God and the flow of finances in our life is really going to be modeled after all these other things we're talking about. Money is, is, what is money, essentially? Money is the hammer that the carpenter carries in his bag. It's a tool. If you um, break, if you're a carpenter and you break your hammer, what do you do? You go get another hammer. So um, I remember a, a minister talking about this. I don't know if I said this last week. I may have done. But she was talking about how uh, a pastor was talking to her and was really upset because he'd spent $100,000 more than he should have done or wanted to do on a building project. And, uh, and this minister said to, to him, well, that's just a $100,000 lesson. It's a tool. You don't, if you have a good hammer, you don't throw it away, but if you have a broken hammer, you just go get another hammer. If you lose money, quote-unquote, by a mistake, or you've made a mistake... God's not sitting there going, oh my gosh, the world has fallen over because you spent an extra £10 on, on groceries this week. Have you ever been in that situation? Let's make it really, $100,000 is a lot of money. But if you budget, like every good person should budget to a degree, budgets br- cost you something, vision brings you something, so budgeting isn't the, the you, but you might need it, if that makes sense. But if you spend $10, oh, $10, $10, I'm in my Canadian-American mindset. If you spend £10 over on your budget on the groceries, have you ever had an argument with your spouse over that? As a man, we often turn up home with all our wonderful new tools and wonderful new gadgets, and the wife's out there going, I haven't bought a new pair of uh, underwear for six months. And you're buying gadgets. I'm messing today, aren't I? <laughs> I, I could talk about Jeremy's uh, addiction to comic books. That's where I could go on. Comic books, yes. And, and I remember times in, in uh, our early marriage when, when I would just buy things, not thinking that it was doing any harm because I was just like, I needed a new pair of shoes or whatever like that. But because I was thinking for myself and mentally thinking about myself, I wasn't... Louise didn't have the money to go out and just do that because I, I hold the purse strings, if that makes sense. That, I, that's not me prophesying over you that the man has to be in charge of the money because sometimes women are better at charge of the money than the men are. So it's just our dyna- the, the, dy- the dynamic that works for us. Maybe my, my dad did it and, and I just followed suit. But um, when you spend that extra £10 of groceries or whatever and, and, and then the husband, the wife comes home and says, I'm really sorry, I've spent 110 pounds instead of 100 pounds and the husband just loses his rag over it. Something's wrong there, isn't there? Really, 10 pounds is 10 pounds. But to God, do you think $100,000 is any more than that 10 pounds? Not really, no, because he owns the, the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the whole earth. He owns, in fact, beyond the earth, he owns the moon. He owns Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, the Sun. I'm not going to try and name all the planets. Pluto, we don't even know if that is a planet yet. Have we decided yet? It keeps changes every five minutes. 
Well, God owns everything. And yet, the wife comes home and husband, I bought you some extra chocolate, but it's cost me an extra £10, and he loses his mind. You've spent £10 more. I've got to figure out how to find that £10. Well, you know what? God never told you to figure out how to find the money that you need. And that's hard, for, especially for people like myself, who's budget-minded and very budget-conscious. We, we write things on the board. We, we, we work out how much money we need every week, and we, we figure it out. But I also have had to learn not to care when we make a mistake. Because there's a flow of finance. So law number three, which I am getting to, is the law of contentment. And when I saw it, when I was reading through it this week, and I saw it, and I thought, that's funny, because last week I was telling everyone not to be content and to press in for more. So I'm going to backtrack. <laughs> God wants us to be content in our situation and circumstance, doesn't he? But I don't want to put this in a direction that says, if you're in poverty, you stay in poverty. Poverty is under the curse, so we're getting out of it. We're not, we're not content to let the devil de uh, control our situation and circumstances and finances. We're never content to allow somebody else to control us, but we're content when we know we're in the presence of God and the perfect will of God for our lives. There may be things that need to change. Sickness needs to go. We're not content in our sickness, are we? So we're not content in our lack. But what I want to talk to you about is, is if we go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now, quite a lot of people will come in up to you, and there's again a, a story from another minister. That was the somebody. <laughs> 1 Timothy, what did I say? Chapter 6. There's a story um, about a minister who, was, who preaches the gospel, preaches prosperity, and a, a young lad from Bible school came up to him and started saying, do you know this is in the Bible? And he proceeds to re re read from 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. Okay. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation, are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. And he stopped reading. And he said to this minister, why are you telling us we need to be rich? It says here that you, the love of money is evil. You shouldn't have any more. You know what the minister turned around and said? Did you read to the end of the chapter? So he made him read to the end of the chapter. So let's read to the end of the chapter. But you, when there's a but, what do you do? You go find out why that but's there. Yeah? But you. So but, yes, the love of money is all evil, root of all evil, but, but you, you, Holly, you, Carol, you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance. I don't like that word even to say it. Perseverance and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. And I charge you before God who gives life to all and before Christ Jesus who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate that you obey this command without wavering. Then no one can fault you, which now comes into the Lord Jesus Christ once again. For... Let's go to jump num verse number 17 for time's sake. 
teach those who are rich. So on one hand, he's saying that the love of money is the root of all evil, and then he's saying, teach those who are rich. Which is it? See, the love of money is the root of all evil, as, as the word says, but the love of money is not, does not necessarily mean you're rich or poor. You can, you can love money if you're poor. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should also be in God. So basically, this lad was trying to convince this prosperity preacher that the Bible was saying that we shouldn't be prosperous, but if he'd have just read a few extra scriptures, he'd actually say, well, actually, there are rich people in church. So if there are rich people in church, is God uh, a respecter of people? No. Other people can be rich. But what I'm kind of getting with this is if you go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, it says this, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. And verse six of, uh, chapter 6, verse 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So godliness profits you in this life. Living right prospers you in this life. Right, in this life. But godliness has to be attached with contentment. The financial anointing requires you to master money. And if, you, if the money is the master of you, you can never succeed in the kingdom of God. And it starts with being content. You're not being persuaded to go into any extremes. You are to enjoy where you are. That's difficult. Because when it's hard, and things are coming against you left, right, and center, and there's a, it's almost like the, the devil's got a baseball bat and he's waiting around to every single corner and every decision that you make. But to praise and rejoice your way through these situations and through circumstances and stay in a place of joy and stay in a place of contentment will ensure that you not only get to the other side with victory, you'll, it'll ensure you get to the other side with God understanding and truly knowing that he can trust you with what he needs you to achieve. That's what it comes down to. Trusting him with your finances. This is taking me longer than I wanted to spend on it, but I think this is crucial for us to learn this. God said this to Brother Rodney Howard Brown, and I think this is crucial. And, I, I, and if you didn't see Friday Fire on Friday night, Joel alluded to this slightly. As well, Pastor Joel alluded to it slightly. So it's worth watching. When everything means nothing to you, God said this, I will give you everything. That is, a, that is a very strong decision to make when everything means nothing to you. If you lose your phone, like a certain person did the other night, <coughs> got a phone call at uh, quarter to 12 last, on Friday night, uh, and I answered it. Uh, Hello, Caroline's phone. <laughs> because a certain person left their phone in our car. Did she wait for three weeks to try and find her phone? No, she needed to find her phone. But if everything means nothing, 
then I can give you everything. I'm not trying to say that, you, you, you know, if you lose a phone, you shouldn't go find it. But my point is, how does the emotions make you feel? The stress make you feel, I've lost my phone. Oh my gosh, somebody might could ring me. And God's just sitting there, eh, don't worry about it. One, I know where the phone is. And two, a simple phone call solves that, that question quite quickly. And I'm, I'm using this example for fun more than anything, not because I, I know Caroline's a very responsible person generally. Generally, yeah. She knows where her grandchild is, or one of them. <laughs> right now. So what we need to understand this, and this is when uh, as we lead into Veronica coming and just explaining how to give, and I know everyone in this room does, but if, if you're on the broadcast watching, Veronica's going to come up and explain how to do that. When you've got to understand about giving and you've got to understand about the financial flow, often when God speaks to you about giving something, whether it's to a person, whether it's to a church, whether it's to a, a ministry, God is testing to make sure that that money that he... Cause he might, what if he, he asks Elson to give 50p and he's got 1,000 pounds in the bank? God, you might say, well, it's not worth it. I don't need to give 50p. That person doesn't need 50p. But if God's telling you to do something, God's testing you to make sure that money and possessions only have a place in your hand and not in your heart. Giving will test your qualification to handle true riches. Money in your hand is a tool. Money in your heart is poison. And I, I believe that everyone in this room is, 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 is not under this kind of pressure or not under, but I'm trying to lay foundation here. I'm trying to lay foundation for the future. I'm trying to minister to the, those who may, may be watching on, on the live stream. Remember that God will never give you what will destroy you. Your ability to handle money will enable you to give properly. It'll close the door to greed and it will maintain any business ethical business practices that you operate in, and it will stop you even considering thieving. God's told us to increase. He's commanded us to increase. He's anointed us to increase. But we cannot allow ourselves to strive for increase, because then it becomes part of our heart. We cannot try to get money, and it never works. If you don't observe the law of contentment, you will be owned by materialism. In this world that we live in, the next phone, the next this, the next that, can become something that hooks you up. I've actually made a decision a while back, um, and I hope this isn't going to be forever, but I'm not going to buy a new phone every year. I'm going to see how long I can make that phone last. Because it would be very tempting just to renew, refresh every year, you know, the latest iPhone. And I said iPhone for a reason because there's no other phone. Um, <laughs> you lot need to be saved. Um, I, that's the one, one negative thing about this church is, is that you guys are on the same side as me when it comes to phones. But I can counsel you later. I will do phone counseling. Um, <laughs> When you understand the anointing of God is all about dominion. You cannot have dominion over something that has dominion over you. Money cannot have dominion over you and you won't, you won't live in dominion. So I'm going to invite Veronica up. Get her the microphone. 
and she's just going to talk to us a little bit how to give and whatever else is on her heart. Hello. Oh, <laughs> well, praise God. Thanks, Pastor Andy. That was really, really good this morning, wasn't it? Um, so before I um, tell you how to give, I just want to share more for the broadcast than anything else. But I came in here this morning feeling very, very unwell. It was touch and go whether I could even get here this morning. And I know how to trust God for healing. I know I've been healed so many times of so many things. But sometimes we need to be in this presence. We need to be with brothers and sisters that can hold up our hands. So when I came in here this morning, I had two sisters holding up my hands, praying for me in agreement. And that's what you get when you're in the presence here yeah. of, of your brothers and sisters. That's why God tells us not to give up coming together. Because Two is better than one. Amen. Three is better than two. So we just thank, I, I personally thank God this morning for because I couldn't have stood up here earlier. I'm standing up here now. Praise God. To him be all the glory. With that said, how to give? Do we not have the QR yeah, we code? Oh, we have the QR code today. Praise God. Where is it? Hey. There it is. So you can scan the QR code. Uh, and do it that way, or you can go to faithlifecenter.com forward slash give, press on the Preston button and give. You can give online, you can give in the building with the buckets that are going round, or you can give on this fantastic little machine. You just tap your card and you've given. But whatever you give, do it with a joyful heart. Amen. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning. We just thank you because you're an awesome Father. You're an awesome God. And we, Father God, we, we don't, yeah, we don't hold on to our finances, Father. That's not why you've given. You said, if I give you a little and you're faithful in that, you will give us more. Amen. So we thank you, Father, that we can be faithful in our giving. We can be generous in our giving. So we just thank you for every penny that is coming into this ministry because we know, Father God, that you have already shown where it's to go, where it's to be given, where it's to be planted. But we just thank you, Father. We just ask in Jesus' name that you just give us wisdom in every area in Jesus' Amen. name. Amen. The presence of God is so precious and so wonderful. As in, in, in this ministry. And when you step in the will of God for your life, you connect with that more and more consistently. My life is, has always gotten stronger as I've got closer to what God has for my life. When you start to reach the bullseye, they, Brother Hagen always says, there's always a purpose and a plan for the meeting. And the closer you get to that plan and that, that bullseye, the stronger the presence of God is. So if you don't feel the presence of God or you don't sense the presence of God, it could be that the, the, the meeting's completely wrong, yes. But it could also be that your heart's not finding that bullseye. You're not hooking up with that bullseye. I've said this time and time again that you guys play much more uh, important role in the way I minister or the way most people minister 
Pastor Joel, Pastor Evie, anyone who ministers is, feels and senses the pull. Now, Brother Copeland is, is a wonderful minister as well, but he also says, never look at the people's faces. And I sometimes have to ignore your faces. But that doesn't mean there's not a pull from the heart. Because sometimes people can look serious, but be pulling. Some people can be laughing and look like they're joking around, but they're pulling. Some people could just be crying their eyes out or falling asleep, but still pulling. The falling asleep one's a bit more of a tricky one, because I'm not 100% sure. I know your spirit never falls asleep, and you still can hear, but anyways. So the message that we're on today, I've got a a title, um, but I'm not going to say the title in case it changes as we go through it. But I'd like to go to Mark 11, 22, and 23, and 24. Uh, These are probably one of the most powerful scripture verses that Jesus ever spoke when he put it into context with a lot of other things. Yes, he says everything that he says is powerful, but this is one of the, the, the three scriptures, four scriptures that probably will change your life the most if you understand it. Not just understand it, but grab a hold of it and put it into perspective and put it into your life. Um, something happened a few Sunday nights ago, I think it was one of the Freedom Nights, one of the Friday Fire Nights, Pastor Joel spoke something over my life, or just just laid his hands on me and and said a couple of sentences. And I'm going to tap into and pull on that today, because if you go with the devotional, the devotional is talking about resurrection power, but I can't talk about resurrection power without covering some of the things I have to talk to first. So I'm I'm thinking about this. So we might get there. If we don't get there, then go read the devotional and meditate on that for the rest of the week and and pull on that. We operate with power. We operate with the power of life in our hearts. Our hearts are connected to our mouths, and when they're connected to our mouths, they release the power of life. Life power in our words and in our temple as a body is connected to the Father, to the Word, to the Holy Spirit in order to be a blessing. So when we go into Mark 11, 22 and 23 and 24, there is something that God and Jesus is communicating through these words. Let me just read it and then we'll, we'll go and digest it. And then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I could stop there and preach. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe it, that you've received it, it will be yours. Now, verse 25, I'm not going to comment on because I've already dealt with love and I don't want to go back into that, into that again. But if you don't do 25, you can ignore the first three verses, okay? If you don't forgive your neighbor, you don't forgive your wife, you don't forgive your kids, you cannot have what you say. That's just simply bottom line. God is love, and how does faith work? By love. So if love is not operating in your life, and I think this is why we focus so much on faith and don't talk a lot about love, is because the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. You should be naturally operating in love if you're a believer. It should not be difficult with you. Now, if it's difficult for you, spend some time thinking about it, working it through, figure out why that's not flowing in your life. But really, it should be natural. 
Veronica giving me a hug on a Sunday morning is very natural. It's not difficult. I gave her a hug this morning. I preempted it. No, the second one I preempted. The second one. <laughs> Elson's getting happy with me. If I start hugging everyone, you know. But Jesus really broke down faith into three levels here or three sections or three points, however you want to say it. And I, I love this. And I'm going to work through this. It, 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 what I'll say what this, what Pastor Joel said over me was words of faith, words of life must be spoken. Words of faith, words of life must be spoken. Must is a very strong word. Now, let me just say something about prophetic words or things that's said over, you know, I was trying not to go down too much of a rabbit hole, but I actually think it's very important to talk about it. Brother Hagen and a guy called Ed Dufresne were praying on a bench once. And they were praying very closely together. They were very close friends. And Brother Hagen tapped him on his knee and says, laugh your way through it. That's all he said. Laugh your way through it. Laugh your way through it. And Brother Ed then went to the doctors for whatever reason and got found out that he had a serious cancer on his in his body. So he got on and started laughing his way through it and doing the word and as the Holy Ghost led him and all this kind of stuff. And, the, and God just turned around and said to him, it'll be gone within 30 days. Because he heard the word and did it. Did he hear the written word? No. Where does it say in the Bible, laugh your way through it? In those quote-unquote words. So he heard the word that was revealed to Brother Hagen by the Spirit of God spoken to him, acted on it, and within 30 days, in fact, he went to the doctors at 28 days, and it was all gone. Now, if somebody tells you you've got cancer, or any sickness, or any disease, quite often what we've done with the Word of Faith message and it's not wrong to do this. I'm just saying, just hear me out. We've often grabbed our Bible and started quoting scripture verses. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. It's important to have a foundation in the Word. But what if the Holy Ghost needs to tell you exactly what you should say rather than you try and pre predict what you need to say? Words of life, words of faith must be spoken. Go back to what we've been talking to the uh, uh, last few months. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? What word? What word of God? Rhema. The spoken word of God. If faith comes by written word of God, and hearing by the written, how do you hear a book? I know we have great audio books nowadays, and and things like that, and you can actually plug in and listen to the written word of God. But the rhema word is that fresh Holy Ghost-inspired infusion of the word that's been living in your heart, the Logos that's been inputted. It's like a computer. You input something into the computer, but it's not released onto the screen until you connect all the programs together. If you want to play Mario Kart, you can't stick in a disc for... Halo. You have to put the correct disc in to get the right output. So that doesn't mean the Xbox doesn't work. 
but the game's Halo and you want to play Mario Kart and I'm totally messing this up because I'm sure Mario Kart can't get on Xbox. <laughs> totally messed this analogy up. And anyone who doesn't understand video games is lost anyways. So like this is ministry 101 not to do. But my point is, is input-output. But if you input-output and you want something different than what you're inputting and what you're connected to, you're going to struggle. So you need to have the rhema, the spirit, energizing and equipping and bringing to the forefront the written. The written needs to be in there. What did Jesus say? I build my, you build your house on the rock. So this, is, this has got to be read. This has got to be meditated. What did we talk about the other week? Meditate on the word so it gets into your heart so then you will prosper. But those meditations will often allow you to hear infusion. If I keep meditating on what Pastor Joel says, and this is, I'm going back, to, I'm going to circle back to the prophetic side of these things, because Brother Hagen said to, to Ed Devrain, laugh your way through it, and he responded to it. So the prophetic word, I can literally go over to Jeremy and start prophesying stuff to him. I could say that there's a lot of money in his future, and there's joy in his future, and victory, and you need to do this, and you need to do that, and da 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 Something's going to happen when he hears a prophetic word. He's either going to grab a hold of it and run with it because it's right. Or he might sit there and go, what a load of rubbish. Please never throw away anything that God says over you. There's another thing that um, you've got to be careful on with prophetic words. And, and some people will talk about this in, in, in ministers, dealing with ministries in, in, the, in the prophetic. Is that... In a congregation setting, when you know somebody who's a minister who will give words of God, you'll start to go, God, give me a word. God, give me a word. God, give me a word. If God gives you a word, God's either going to tell you something. Usually he's going to tell you something because something's coming up that perhaps you don't want to come up. So if you have 6,000 prophetic words that, that, that everything's going to be all right, you're probably going to find it's going to get rather shaky. Because the inspired word of God is the wisdom of God to go speak into your life so that you could prepare yourself for the future. So if someone gives you a word, you sometimes might have to put it on the shelf. You sometimes might have to go, all right, I've got to run with that. And sometimes you might just have to say, right, well, okay, as I get, as I get moving with it, it might, may or may not happen. I'll just, just work with it. I remember Pastor Diana Stacy from our church in Liverpool. We were in a leaders meeting and she just looked at me in front of everyone and said, you're going to have a lot to do with media and broadcasting. Now, I had already been doing stuff in the church, but at that time I was like, no, I don't want to do it. I'm doing it because you need it. I'm doing it because it's, it's, it's good. Uh, the church needs it. But I, I'm, I'm called into ministry. I'm called to preach. And I put that on the shelf. I didn't actually put it on the shelf, actually. I threw it in the bin and set fire to it and tried to fight it for a long time. But what am I doing right now? I'm involved in media. I'm involved in broadcasting. I'm involved in creativity and design. So that word that this, this lady, who I respect highly in ministry, she spoke something to me that I did not want to hear. So God might speak something to you that you don't want to hear, but don't throw it and put it in the bin. Listen. But you might have to run with it and work with it. Words of life, words of faith, must be spoken. See, there may be prophetic words that you've come on your life and 
you say, well, that's not happened yet. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. Words of life, words of faith must be spoken. Start speaking. Start trusting. Now, this might be things that you've totally missed God on, that God wanted you to do 10 years ago. And there's no possible way of you actually getting on and doing what God told you to do 10 years ago. But I guarantee you, he will get you to a place where he could tell you what you need to do now. So the prophetic and the flow of the rhema word of God is very important and very crucial for us to see success. The meditation on God's word and the, the constant thinking and the constant putting it in, putting it in. It's just laying that foundation, laying that foundation, laying that foundation so that when you are in a situation where the spirit of God needs to speak, it's pulling off of something. Another analogy, and I think I said it to Pastor Joel the other day, and I said, I read this, I heard someone telling about it, and he said, well, it was in, in my book, I wrote about it as well, and I'm like, I, I didn't notice you wrote about it, sorry, sorry, boss, um, I heard it from someone else. If you go to someone's house, and they've got very little food in the, in the pantry and in the house, you, you, you send me in there, I'd like, I can't cook anything with that. But you send a professional Gordon Ramsay, Jamie Oliver, something, and he'll go in, a sous staff, and he'll go in and see bits and pieces, and he'll be able to pull little bits, and he'll be able to give you a meal or a, a snack or something that's going to taste lovely. But how expansive is his ability to create you a meal? What's well, limited to what's on the inside of your pantry. You're going to have a nice meal because he's a professional. He knows exactly what to do. But if you give him a full pantry, everything, and he provides you with a five-course meal, wines you, dines you, because he's got all of this ability just to pull everything, just to, to pull the, the rice out, pull the spices out. Pull, he's creating, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit can do. The Holy Spirit will use whatever word is in your life and try and do something with it to make it special. But if you give him lots of word, suddenly your life is going to be able to open up new doors left, right, and center. Because he's pulling on something on the inside of you. So we have a job to do. Not only do we speak words of life and words of faith, but we meditate on words of life and words of faith so that they get into our hearts. The Holy Spirit can go, that's the one. That's the one you need. If you do this from your mind, it doesn't work. If you, if you just basically start to quote healing scriptures because you need to have healing and that's all you do, you just wrap, wrap, rabbit it on like a, like a, a, I don't know, whatever. Just to say it out of your head and out of your head and out of you're not listening to what the Holy Ghost is. The Holy Ghost might say, go to the doctors. In fact, Brother Hagen said this, and this is, I love this. I, don't, I, I think just talking about healing is really interesting. He said, there are a lot of Brother Hagen quotes today. If you don't know who he is, I'll, I'll have to talk to you later. But he, he said this, if you're sick or you feel ill or feel whatever, Get in the word. Get in the Holy Ghost. Get, get, get healed. And, and if you are healed quickly, great. But if you're not healed quickly, go to the doctors. Because if you're in faith, you'll, you'll be healed quickly. If you're not in faith, go to the doctors and work on your faith. But if you're in faith for something, it should manifest quickly. People are very much against borrowing money and getting into debt and stuff like that and, and for a house and all that. There's some people that would say it's wrong to do that. It's, I don't think it's sin to borrow money. It's just not necessarily always wise. 
But if you have to borrow money so that you can get into faith to, to pay that money back, that's, that's different. If you're in faith for something, you can receive it now because faith is now. There, there, there could be some time involved, and don't hear me correctly. I'm not putting a time limit on that short period of time. But if, you're, if you need healing and you're in faith, you will see a manifestation in your body quickly. But if it's three years away and you're still trying to believe God for something, there's something wrong. So you need the doctors. You need help. You need to maybe relieve some symptoms so that you can get into faith. If you're in pain, it's very hard to believe God for healing. So maybe you need to take a painkiller to dumb the thing so you can get in the Word and get fired up. I'm pr- trying to preach a balanced. Because the Spirit of God will speak to you. I mean, people, the Spirit of God has told people to s- take their glasses off and stand on them and, and the power of God's hit them and their eyes and suddenly they can hear. But there's several people in here that got glasses and if you all did that, I don't think our uh, success rate would be very high. Because you're doing it because you've just heard me tell a story. Frankie, put the glasses back on. If the Spirit of God tells you to do something, that is when resurrection power and resurrection life is available to you. And the opportunity to operate in an opportunity is in the time of the opportunity when it presents itself. When the Spirit of God speaks, you run. Elijah ran when the Spirit of God came on him and he just took off. He could have sat there and waited for the rain to come. But the Spirit of God, with the full manifestation of the Spirit of God on him, he could have just sat there and waited, but he ran. Was it Naaman? Naaman had to go dip himself in the, the Jordan. Because the man of God said, do something, he needed to respond to what was done. But if he had tried to find the scripture verse uh, in the Bible to, 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 to back up blowing and dipping himself in the Jordan, he probably would never have done it. Because he couldn't, there was nothing available to him. But the, the word of God came. The rhema word of God came. The spoken, the fresh Revelation word, words of life, words of faith must be spoken. If you want to see resurrection life operating in your life, and when I talk about resurrection life, it's not because someone's died. I'm talking about your finances. I'm talking about your your health. I'm talking about um, relationships restored. See, Jesus, when he dealt with Lazarus, he prayed. He groaned on the inside of him. Then he wept. Then he groaned on the inside of him, and then he heard and said, Lazarus, come. He said, Lazarus, come forth. There was a process involved in him getting to the point of Lazarus coming out of that grave. Because if God had told him that Lazarus couldn't come out of the grave, him saying Lazarus come out of the grave wouldn't have affected anything. Because what did Jesus do? Everything that he saw his father do. Resurrection life is what you will see your father do. But in order for you to do what you see your father do, that resurrection, life and power must be so soaked in your being that this re- the rain, the fresh, the blowing of the wind of the Spirit of God in your life makes it possible. See, this takes all the um, mental analogies out or the mental um, thinking out of these things. Because if what, what happens is if you think your way through and try and figure out how God's going to do it in your life, that you're going to come up short every single time. I can't think my way through my marriage. I can't think I know what my wife wants. I can't try and figure out 
I just have to love her. Now, there'll be th- things that she, I can maybe trigger some things. Maybe I, maybe I can figure out maybe she likes roses or daffodils rather than another kind of flower. I can figure these things out and I think, okay, if I buy her roses every day, that's going to make her happy. It could be something else. It could be uh, doing the chores. I can mentally think those things through. But if I try and figure out my wife on an every single day basis, to try, it, uh, uh, mankind has not been able to figure out women. How am I supposed to do it? Yeah, yeah. It's like Ruth just said, she doesn't understand herself. <laughs> no one can figure out women if it's but done in the mental realm. But if it's done in love, you might make a mistake. And if your wife knows that you love her, and if I know, if she she knows I love her, her and vice versa, the mistakes don't matter. The the the. the this is what Rhema is all about. It's about coming up bubble, rivers of living water flowing from your heart. It's, uh, uh, it's like, uh, you know, when they play poo sticks and they, they chuck them down over the, over the bridge and they run to the other side and eventually the stick comes. It's, it's just a flow. It's just like, it just comes. It's going to come down the river. It, if you stay in that river, it's going to flow. Stay in the deep part of the river and you, you get more of God. Don't just put your toe in and, and, and wiggle it around and see whether the water is cold or not. Get in the river. Jump in. Jump in the things of God. Because that's where the, the freshness and the, the life, the resurrection power of God lives on the inside of you and it needs to be released. And where it primarily is going to be released from is this Mark 11, 22 and 23 and 24. Now most people, and this is where I'm kind of getting to my point, if I have a point, you guys need to write down notes so that I can find out what my points are. <laughs> Verse 23 is often where we try and get to. I have what I say. Verse 24 is where we often try and get to. I believe I receive. But we forget. Verse 22. Have faith in God. You can declare what you want from your mouth as much as you say. But if you don't have faith in God, it ain't going to work. You can pray with a desire in your heart. Dear God, I desire this. I, desire, I believe I receive it. But if you don't have faith in God, it's not going to work. Jesus literally struck it out. Point one, have faith in God. Point two, you can, ha- you can move any obstacle in your life. Point two, you can just remove a mountain in the sea. You can have what you say. Point three, and you can actually have what you desire. But if you miss point one, you're never going to have point two or point three. So if you are struggling in any of these areas, you're struggling with, I, I'm just, I'm tr- trying to have a 100% perfect confession. I'm going to say nothing wrong. I'm going to speak the word of God forever. I'm going to, every single day, I'm going to wake up. I'm not going to swear. I'm not going to yell at my kids. I'm not going to yell at my wife. And then you walk down and you see your kids uh, picking his nose. So you smack him on the back of the head and say, stop doing that. And your wife leaves the butter knife on the table. Wife, why can't you put the butter knife in the dishwasher? And suddenly all your perfect dreams of having a perfect confession go out the window because everyone else's life messes with you. Perfection is not the goal. Hallelujah. You know, you iron your shirt in the morning and then you get in the car and then you go, what, what, why did I bother ironing my shirt? Life has a habit of like treating you with slaps. You turn up to church and the sewage smells. You know what I mean? 
you know, I, I used to love when, when we had babies, and we were, we were pr pretty strict with our kids in terms of when we were babies, we followed a really great book, and, and no one really believed me how good this book was, and no one trusted me. I give it to people, <laughs> tell them to do it, and they just ignore everything that's in it. But it really works well, and I'm struggling to remember what it's called. But it's, um, oh, what's it, what's it called? Holy Ghost. Um, but anyways, this book gives you a really great ways of understanding how to do your child. But I figured something else about parents. They don't actually want to read a book that works. They want to moan about what doesn't work so they get the sympathy from everyone around them. That's basically humanity, isn't it? They don't want to do the book. They don't want to read their Bible and do their Bible. They just want to go, oh my God, it's so hard. Life is so hard. Where's God when you need him? Um, but we don't want to do that, do we? We, we, want, we, want, we want Frankie to come around and make some steak. That food she gave us last week, oh. We had it for leftovers on the Monday. <laughs> Louise was like, oh, Frankie can live in our house as a chef. Um, but we want that, don't we? We want, to be look we, want, we want someone to spoon feed us everything. And this is what Jesus is saying here, have faith in God. And you know where this, if you start looking back, right after this, like you <laughs> faith works by love, everyone. What did Jesus do before he says this? He went out and kicked a bunch of people from the church, whipped them up, beat them up, and cursed them basically out of the temple. Faith works by love. He, did not, he didn't look like he operated in love. Yes, he was. Of course he was. I'm, I'm being sarcastic. Elson, work with me. <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't demonstrating love the way that we want love to be. It's like I was, we were talking to... Uh, Pastor Jeremy uh, on Friday night and he was saying about how people will quote, you know, we have to look after the foreigner in our country. But if you actually look into the context of that, am I, you know, I going to cross some barriers here? It, 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 the idea was that the Jewish people, do you know the Jewish people were meant to preach yes. their gospel? They were actually meant to include. Now you go talk to some Jewish people now and they won't be very inclusive of us very easily. They were meant to be the proclaimers of the glory. They were meant to demonstrate the power of God on this earth and welcome people in. That was what it was talking about. So you welcome a non-Christian into a church. Do you expect them to stay a non-Christian forever? No, you, you expect them to become a Christian and become born again and enjoy life. If they come and sit on the front row and curse and swear at you, you're eventually going to kick them out because they obviously don't want to change. So when, when the, whole, uh, the, the whole social justice mentality that says, like, welcome everyone in and we're just going to let them do whatever they want, that's not what the Bible was saying. We love the foreigner to come in, but, and we will look after the foreigner if they struggle. We'll look after them and help them, but we expect them to adapt and to learn our society and, and, and be productive members of our society so that they're a positive influence. So Jesus' version of love is different than what we think it is because we think, it, you know, it, it blows your mind when you think about it. What about that, that criminal on the cross that went to heaven? I was watching a little clip on Instagram and the guy was saying, he all turned up to heaven, this guy, and, and the angel said, right, you want baptized? No, okay. Uh, did you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and believe that he died on the cross? No, okay. Um... Do you know the doctrine of laying on hands? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, let me just talk to my supervisor. Uh, Mr. Angel Boss, dude, guy, come here. This guy doesn't know anything, and yet he's, he's here. He's in the wrong place, isn't he? 
But Jesus said, today you'll be in heaven. God's grace and mercy is so much bigger and better than anything we can understand. But if we want to operate in the principles of faith, have faith in God. Not faith in the pastor. Not faith in Christina. Though Christina is a model of so many things. She's joyful. She's on time. She's silent and wonderful. She just eases with grace. But I don't have faith in her. I don't have faith in Ruth or David. Though I appreciate every single one of you and I trust you all to a a certain degree. But I don't know you that well, none of you. I've known Jeremy and Caroline for a long time and I don't know them that well. They, They come to our house regularly and we pray together for over years. In fact, when we, we were jo- joking the other, other night, and we said, we, we stopped praying for years. We stopped praying, and we miss God, really. I blame them, because um, our door was always open. Uh, I'm playing, but I'm not playing. We prayed together, and we started praying back together, because somebody told us to, basically, and we started to realize we needed to do, you know, within like two years of us starting to pray back, to all four of us were pastors. And in fact, me and Louise were supporting these guys into their decision and their flow and and steps into becoming pastors. And we weren't sitting there going, yeah, we're going to be pastors too. We were like, yeah, we we don't, you guys have it. We don't want what you've got. You have the anointing to pastor. Great, we don't want it. But God has an awesome way of twisting things and turning things and working with your faith in him. Your faith and your ability to trust him is going to allow the rhema word, the resurrection life of God to come into your life. To the point that some people's hair, if it's gray, it could go back to the normal color if that's what you're believing for. But it's not going to happen if you don't have faith in God. Hallelujah. I'll start my notes now. John 11, 25, 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, have faith in God. Everyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. I changed it to this in my little notes. Anyone who believes in the word will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in the word and believes in the word will never die. And that word is not just written down pieces of paper. It's rhema. It's, it's uh, something on the inside working on the outside. Matthew 8, verse 5, Roman centurion. Speak the word only. Speak the word only. Speak the word only. Only speak the word. Words of faith, words of life must be spoken. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. It wasn't, get the scrolls out, Jesus. Show me what it says in the Bible. It just says, Jesus is speaking. Let me talk a little bit and we will close eventually, but you know, I'll stay here as long as you want me to. Rhema. The definition of the Greek word rhema is that which 
is or has been uttered by the living voice. I'm going to read you a few scripture verses that have the word rhema in, and it might surprise you. Me and Jeremy were on this track on Friday night, and it's really sparked something. Matthew 4, verse 4, and Jesus answered, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, by every rhema that proceeds out of the word of God. If you don't have rhema, if you don't have fresh, your bread will become stale. Manna was renewed every single day. It did not last to the next day. Matthew 12, 36, But I say unto you that every idle rhema word that man shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in judgment. So on the negative, your spoken word can affect your life. Matthew 18, 16, But if he will not hear you, then take with you one or two or more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses by every rhema word will be established. Matthew 26, verse 75, and Peter remembered the rhema of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, you shall deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Rhema, fresh, alive. Luke one thirty-eight, and Mary said, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to your rhema. And the angel departed from her. Luke 3, verse 2, Ananias and Sapphira being the high priest, the rhema word of God came unto John the son of Zacharias in the wilderness, and he went and preached about Jesus' coming. Luke 5, verse 4 to 5. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your rhema, I will let down. That's the, that verse there has hit me like a ton of bricks over the last few weeks. But this time, but this time, but this time, you put your net over the side because it's at the word, it's at the rhema, it's at the freshness, it's at the Holy Ghost doing. You're listening to what God's saying. You're not doing what you think you need to do. You're not toiling all night anymore. No, you're putting your net over the other side because he said do it and it will happen. The boatload of fish is coming. The prosperity is coming. The victory is coming. When you hear the word, when you walk in it, operate it and let it be put pulled from your heart and you speak it with your mouth. Acts 10, 37, 38. That rhema, I say that you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. It was a rhema word to the people that it was spoken to. Acts eleven fifteen. As I begin to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as it was from the beginning. Then I remembered the rhema word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Romans 10 verse 8, but what says it? The rhema word is nigh thee, even in your mouth and in your heart, that is the rhema of faith which we speak. Romans 10 17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the rhema of God. The scripture verse that said it all off for me on Friday night, Ephesians 5, 25 to 26. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of rain, a washing of the rhema word. 
so often we want to get this Bible out and just look, just read it and, and quote it and just, just like that, and nothing fresh is coming, nothing alive is coming. It's just almost like, like just like, just something empty sometimes. Because we're not tuned into the Spirit of God in our lives. This is why Pentecostalism is so crucial in these last days. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is crucial in these last days. We need rhema. I'm not saying if you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost, you can't hear the Spirit of God. Of course you can. But you're going to have an amplified system. It's almost like that new, there's a new thing in, in, in L.A. that they've created, this big sphere. You should Google it. It's just amazing. You see U2, on, like a speck on the thing, and they've got this 3D big sphere all the way around. It's like totally visuals everywhere. Just Google it on later on, on, and, and see it on Instagram. I'll show you a picture. It just absolutely it blows you away. It looks like you're looking at a sunset in the middle of in the desert. But it's just, and you two are down there like this massive thing, and they've got like 16,000 speakers so that every single person, whatever spot they sit in, gets the same audiovisual sound that they hear. They just hear the, the, it's just amazing. That is what the world can come up with. Oh, what does Jesus come up with? What does he do with the, in your rhema life? What can he do? This is an interesting one. I've only got four more to go, so just bear with me. Ephesians 6, 17. I like this one because this is one that I never knew was there. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema word. How often do we think, quote that scripture verse and say, I need to get my Bible out and protect my head? It's, it's more than just knowing scripture verses. It's having the Spirit of God anoint them and pull on them. Hebrews 1.3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the rhema word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins. Hebrews 11.3, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the rhema word of God. God did everything by speaking. His children are meant to copy him and imitate him. If your words aren't lining up with the written word of God, that's the first place to start. Get more, get more written word in. Get, get it, meditate on it. But be sensitive and be aware for the moments of rhema, for the moments of laugh your way through it. For the moment of words of life, words of faith must be spoken. Be ready to hear. There's things I've said to you in the past, prophesied, prophesied over individuals in this place. Don't sit, sit there and think, well, it's just Andy. It's just Andy just being crazy. Go back, listen, think. There's things I've said to you guys and to you guys. It's not about me. It's about the rhema. It's about the Holy Ghost. It's about the freshness of the Spirit of God that comes alive for your life. Hallelujah. Well, resurrection life, that's, if you want to think about resurrection life, that's where it's going to come from. We want to raise the dead. We want to go into funerals. But most of us can't believe God for a pair of socks. So let's go back to have faith in when you have faith in God, you have faith in love. 
If you have faith in love, love's going to propel your faith. If you have faith in love, have faith in God. You're accessing resurrection life for you to restore your body, to renew your mind, to be a blessing to other people. The power of the word of God spoken in your heart and then out of your mouth. It's the sound of victory. It's the sound and the shout of praise. It's the sound that hooks up with something on the inside of you that is released by your little tongue that steers the ship of your life in the direction that the Spirit of God is calling you into. Listen to it. Listen to the freshness. Listen to the rhema. Listen to the Spirit. Listen to it. Listen to it. And then speak it, declare it, and shout about it. Sing it. Be filled in the Spirit of God, speaking to your yourselves in what hymns, psalms, all the making melody in your heart to the Lord. Hallelujah. It's a demonstration of the life of God. It's a demonstration of the resurrection power of the living God that dwells within inside of you. To know him and the power of his resurrection. You know him. You speak like him and then you will know the power that is available to you. Because the same power said light be and light was. It's only have faith in God and speak it. Hallelujah. God, you're a good God and we give you all the glory for this service. We thank you that you've spoken and we thank you that things are landing on people's hearts and minds and we thank you that expansion is happening. We thank you that we're stepping out, release, increasing the size of our tent. We're, we're, we're allowing more capacity to become in. We're allowing the Spirit of God to flow. We're allowing your presence to grow in our lives and we thank you, Father, that we could just sing, I love, I love your presence. Jesus, I love you. For in your presence is fullness of joy. When you have fullness of joy, you have strength. When you have strength, there's a shout and a presence of victory. There's something on the inside working on the outside. Oh, what a joy it is to be a servant of the living God, a child of the living God. We give you praise, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Well, I just say, if anyone's watching on the broadcast that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, today's the day of your salvation. Today is the day that you can make that decision. Today is the day that you can raise your hands and say, Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. It's a simple prayer with eternal consequences. Just say out loud, Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. Hallelujah. I would give you praise for that. And if you if you said that and you've meant it, go to uh, faithlifecenter.com forward slash Jesus and you can uh, find some more details there and contact us and I give you all the praise. Father God, for every soul saved at the sound of my voice in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.